You have a couple of handouts in your bulletin. The yellow handout is about a series that we're going to begin next Sunday. It'll be on December the 6th and also Sunday, December the 13th. We're going to be talking about what we believe about heaven and hell. And so if you come next Sunday, it's going to be hell, so to speak. Uh, We'll be talking about hell next Sunday. And then uh, the following Sunday, we're going to talk about what we believe concerning heaven. So that's going to be a two-part series. Also, you should have a green outline. That's for today's message, if you'll go ahead and get that. I came across some very interesting research that shows one of the healthiest human emotions is gratitude. It makes you feel better. It gives you a sense of peace. It reduces stress. It lowers your depression. And it boosts your immune system. All of that according to a study published by the University of California at Davis. And so after I I, I read that article, I thought this. If thanksgiving and appreciation, if it is gratitude, if it is so beneficial then how do you go about developing it? And we're going to take a look at what the Bible says about being appreciative and grateful and giving thanks. And we're going to begin with this passage in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. It says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What he's saying is that giving thanks is always in season. And we're going to be taking a look at what the Apostle Paul says because he was a real pro at giving thanks to God and other people. Out of the 13 books of the New Testament that we know for sure that he wrote, in every one of them, he thanks God for the people that he is writing to. And four of those books, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon, were written from prison. So there's two questions we want to talk about. Number one is, why should I express appreciation? And the second question is, how do I show appreciation? So let's deal with the first one. Why is it important for us to express our appreciation to others. Now, the answer is found in the meaning of the word appreciate, which is to means to raise in value. Now, if you bought a house ten years ago, you know what appreciation is. If you bought a house three years ago, you may very well know what depreciation is. Expressing our appreciation to people is important because it increases their self-value and worth. And in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, it says this, Encourage one another and build each other up. Notice the appreciation. Notice raising in value. Just as in fact you are doing. In Ephesians 4.29, It says, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words 
will be an encouragement to those who hear them. A fellow by the name of William James lived from about 1842 to 1910. He was a well-known psychologist and philosopher in his day, and he was trained as a medical doctor. And this is a quote from him. The deepest principle in human nature is the craving to be appreciated. He's saying one of the deepest needs that we have as humans is the desire to be appreciated. I was doing a little bit of searching on the Internet, and I came across this service in England called Dial Up a Compliment. And apparently, this service is in England, that if you are feeling down or depressed, you can call this number and they will brag on you over the phone. And so, when I saw that, the first thing that came to my mind was, this could be Port City's breakaway ministry in 2010. We could have the Port City dial up a compliment. And we could have like four or five people on the phones, and someone calls in and says, I'm just lousy and, and I'm no good. And we can have some people, oh no, you're good. God loves you. You are all right. Come and visit Port City. We'll build you up, you know, something like that. Mark Twain said this, I can go two months on one good compliment. That's true, isn't it? So we like to be appreciated. And we all know of people who are starving for appreciation. Now, Paul says that there are three things that we need to appreciate in people that we have a tendency to overlook. Number one is appreciate people's loyalty. Appreciate people's loyalty. Appreciate the fact that they have stuck with you through thick and thin. Now, this is how Paul opens his letter to the Philippians. Philippians 1. I thank my God every time I remember you in all of my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the Gospel from the first day until now. These people were Paul's booster club. They prayed for him. They cheered him on. They supported him financially. And so Paul opens the letter by thanking them for their loyalty from the first day that they knew him. Now some of you have marriage partners who have been very patient with you. You may have stumbled and had an affair And to your amazement, they did not divorce you. Instead, they forgave you and the marriage continues. You may have gone through a major career change or a bankruptcy. Paul says you need to appreciate the fact that they have stuck with you. One of my greatest joys is knowing that you are a church that can be counted on. And I'm absolutely sure that if I stood up here and said, on Tuesday, we're going to storm hell, 
on Monday, all of you would go out and buy squirt guns. You just have it. Okay, we're ready. Let's do it. So we need to appreciate people's loyalty. Now, a second thing, and this one may be a little tougher. First one, that's that's pretty easy. The second one, a little tougher. We need to learn to appreciate people's differences. Appreciate people's differences. Don't demand that everybody think, act, and feel exactly like you do. Learn to appreciate people's uniqueness and individuality. And remember, differences are not wrong. They're just different. Now, this is Colossians 3.13 from J.B. Phillips. Be patient and tolerant with one another, always ready to forgive if you have a difference with anyone. For you were called to live as one united body, And always be thankful. So he's saying, learn to appreciate people's differences and remember, everybody is beautiful in their own way. And here's how I think about it. If two people always agree on everything, then one of them is not necessary. Differences are good. Because they provide a balance for us in our marriages, in our churches, in our schools, and in our government. Now, one evidence of God's sense of humor, and I really believe God has a sense of humor, is the way that He brings opposites together in marriage. It is so incredible. You see it all the time. One is, is daring and compulsive. You know, I'm ready to, you know, uh, you know, do one of those uh, things, kites, fly off of the edge of the Grand Canyon, you know. The other is very cautious and conservative. One is an early riser. The other doesn't believe in God before noon. One loves to talk in great detail. The other is deaf and dumb. So this lady goes to her counselor one day. And the counselor knows that lady, she talks quite a bit. And she says to her counselor, she says, I I just don't understand. Why is my husband always so sharp with me? And the counselor says, maybe the poor guy is just trying to get a word in edgewise. One loves to spend money, the other is very miserly. Now, supposedly, somebody saw this bumper sticker. I haven't verified it. It said, a woman's place is in the mall. Uh, All right, I thought some of you ladies might really uh, got a kick out of that this time of year. huh? When it comes to sex, one says, drop everything right here. The other says, drop dead right here. Okay. Differences provide balance in our marriages and in ministry. And learning to appreciate those differences is a mark of maturity. 
So let's learn to appreciate our differences. And then number three is appreciate people's effort. Appreciate people's effort. Now, I was going to put this in there, but I, I, I put it in my notes. I didn't put it up on, on, uh, in the outline. Regardless of the results. Okay, you might want to write that in. Appreciate people's effort regardless of the results. Now, this is how Paul opens his letter to the church in Thessalonica, Greece. We remember before our God and Father how you put your faith into practice, how your love made you work so hard, and how your hope in Jesus Christ is so firm. What Paul is saying is, I appreciate the effort that you brothers and sisters made. So we need to learn to appreciate people's effort. Do you remember when your kids were small? Mothers, do you remember when your kids were small and they came to you and they said, Mom, we want to help you clean the house today. And do you remember how they took the wood polish and used it on the windows? And how they took the Windex and used it on your wood floors? And you remember how it took like an hour afterwards to clean up the mess that your children had made? But you still loved them and you appreciated the effort that they made. Now how many of you guys in high school took a class, it went by different names, either called shop class or woodworking class. Did any, did your high schools offer a shop class or a woodworking class? Okay. When, in my school, when you were a junior and a senior, you could take the, the shop classes. Now I don't, really, I don't remember if there were any girls in there or not, but, uh, but in this one class I was in, we were going to make, uh, our mothers pencil holders for Mother's Day. That, that was what we were making. And so what they did is they gave you a block of wood. Just like a, like a four by four piece of wood. Okay. And you took it over to the drill press. You made one hole, two holes, three holes, four, five, six. There's your pencil holder. Stick your pencils in there. It took me all week to do it. Now some of the guys Man, they were good because they had the ability to do routing. And they routed on the side of it and had these fancy designs like, I love you, Mom. I had this square block, six holes in it. Didn't even round the edges on the thing. So I wrapped it up and I, I gave it to, to my mother for Mother's Day. And, and she, she opened it up and she said, Oh! This is the most beautiful pencil holder I have ever seen. You would have thought somebody just gave my mom the Hope Diamond. Now, I wasn't feeling too good about it when I gave it to her because it looked kind of crummy. But you know, after listening to her for a few seconds, I started to think, this is a pretty good pencil holder. And and maybe maybe my gift is woodworking, and I really got excited, and so I took the class again, and the following semester I made my mom a gun rack. <laughs> and it's the kind that mounts behind the seat in your pickup truck. And uh, my mom doesn't own a pickup truck, nor did she ever own a gun. You know, but she had this nice little gun rack with all the little felt and everything on it. 
The key point is this. You don't have to be perfect in order to be appreciated. And as a parent, I have a greater appreciation for my own parents. Is that happening to some of you who are parents? I mean, it takes a tremendous amount of effort to corral kids, much less teach them anything. And I think of all of the things that my parents had to put up with, and yet they still, at least in word, appreciated me. So when I was 16, like everybody else, got a driver's license. And I learned to drive in my mom's 1968 Chevrolet Impala. That Impala was like one of the most popular models in the 60s. And, and they were, they were, it was a pretty fast car back, back then. It was blue. And some of my other friends had also gotten their driver's license. So we decided we were going to do a little drag racing in our parents' cars. And so we were out on this farm road out of town. It was flat and level, and there were no houses on either side. So you didn't have, you could, you could race abreast uh, next to each other. And you wouldn't have to worry about anybody normally wouldn't pull onto the road, you know. And we weren't just drag racing, but you know, you just see how fast you get your parents' car going. Spin the tires a little bit. And this went on for, for several weeks. And so one day my dad is in the garage and uh, he said, son, would you come out here? And I, I went out there and he said, son, would you take a look at the uh, rear tire here on your mother's car? And it, it's bald. And the other tires look fine, but th this tire is completely bald. I said, yeah, I, I see that, dad. And then he said, son, would you notice that under the door, along the door here, there's, there's, there's paint, paint is chipped off of the door of the car. And I, I looked down there and I said, yeah, I, I see that. I, I didn't even know. I didn't even thought about it, you know. And he said, it appears to me like this car has been going at a high rate of speed and probably gravel has been kicked up and has caused these, these, uh, chip paint along the door. And, then he stood up and he looked at me, and this is what I'll never forget. You know, you always have that one or two things that you remember, what your parents said. I, I'm never going to forget this. He stands up and he looks at me and he says, Son, I'm going to have to talk to your mother about her poor driving habits. <laughs> and from that day forward, I never beat the car again. I never beat or abused any vehicle from that day forward. And I thank my dad to this day. I knew that he knew and he never told my mother. And I guess she never noticed that the tire was bald on, on her car. So I appreciated my parents for what they had to put up with. And I know that you appreciate yours too. Appreciation is so important that God put it in the Ten Commandments. I'm talking about the Big Ten. He said, honor your father and your mother. Why? Because everybody needs to be built up whether they are perfect or not. So when was the last time you said thank you to a spouse or a parent or a friend for an effort that they made on your behalf. Who else would have done it? So appreciate people's loyalty. Appreciate their differences. Appreciate their effort. Okay, next question. How? 
how do I show appreciation? What, what is the method that I use for showing appreciation? Well, several things. Number one is make it real. Make it real. Now, what I mean by that is make sure that it is sincere and heartfelt. You're not trying to get anything. Now, somebody said this. Whenever someone pats you on the back, they usually want you to cough something up. And that may be true a lot of the time. I came across this poem last November during the election. Not only, we, you know, we were electing not only the, the president, but members of Congress and local government. I came across this poem. He's so glad to see me and calls me by my name. He holds onto my hand and is charming and urbane. He looks into my eyes. My heart starts to float. I know it's for certain he's after my vote. So make it real. Just let it be from the heart. Second thing is make it recognizable. Make it recognizable. This is Proverbs 15.23. It says, What a joy it is to find just the right word for the right occasion. Have you ever had somebody say something to you and you were not sure whether or not it was a compliment. Well, I keep a file on things that people have said to me that I'm still not sure to this day whether it was a compliment or not. So here are some examples. Bruce, when I hear you speak, I think it's never going to get any better. Yeah, there's a couple of ways that you can take that. You know what I mean? Okay, here's another one. Uh, this this was a guy, he fell asleep during service. And listen, I, you work, I'm glad you're here. And he came up to me afterwards and he said, Bruce, you may have noticed that my eyes were closed during your message, but I want you to know I did not miss anything. Oh, now how, how do you take that? Now, this is a real common one. I get this one all the time. A little boy came up to me afterwards and said, Mr. Bruce, you're just full of it. I have this minister friend who cut himself while he was shaving. And it it happened to be a a Sunday morning. So he, you know, arrives at church and has this big band-aid on his chin. You know, he's standing before the congregation. He says, folks, I want, I want to apologize for this band-aid that you're going to have to look at, you know. Uh, I was uh, shaving this morning and I was just, I was just focusing on my sermon so much that I cut my chin. Well, the minister went on to speak for over an hour. And afterwards, one of the deacons comes up to him and says, he says, hey, Maybe next time you could focus a little bit more on your chin and cut the sermon. So Proverbs 12.25, kind words will cheer you up. 
So make it recognizable. They just don't try to be fancy with the English sentences or the English construction. Just be simple. And then three is make it regular. Make it regular. When you're showing appreciation, make it regular. This is 2 Thessalonians 2.13. We ought to continually thank God for you. Why? It is a tremendous motivator. Somebody said this, a pat on the back gets more results than a kick in the pants. And sometimes that's true. Well, I heard about this secretary, and she worked for a boss who was very appreciative of her, always gave her compliments. And so one day he said, Mrs. Johnson, would you bring me in a cup of coffee, please? And Mrs. Johnson said from the other room, well, certainly. And she brings in the cup of coffee, sets it down on his desk, and he says, thank, and he says, thank you very, very much. And she said, never a problem. He was very appreciative of her. Well, after work, she goes home, and her husband says to her, honey, would you get me a cup of coffee? And she says, a cup of coffee! What's the matter with you? Your arm broke! You get it yourself, buster! What's the difference? Continual appreciation. Her boss did not take her for granted, but apparently her husband did. Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people especially to those who belong to the family of believers. You know what he's saying here in very simple terminology is give flowers to people while they can still smell them. One rose now is better than a bouquet of roses at your funeral. I read an article about Alex Haley. He was the guy who wrote the book called Roots, where he traced his American family heritage back to Africa. And his book was turned into a very popular mini-series in the 1970s. Well, when Alex Haley was young, he was in the Coast Guard, and he served as a cook on a boat. And he tells the story of one Thanksgiving uh, after he had served the crew their Thanksgiving meal, that he went back to lie down on his bunk, and he was very exhausted and wore out. And he just started thinking about Thanksgiving. And he just reversed the words, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, giving thanks. And the idea occurred to him, maybe I ought to, give some thanks or express some appreciation to the people in my life who have really made a difference. And so he thought about it, and he wrote down seven names, seven people who had made a real difference in his life, and to his shock, four of them were dead. So he immediately got out three sheets of paper, and he wrote a letter of appreciation to the three who were still alive, his grandmother, his father, 
and a high school principal who had really made a difference in his, in his life. And he goes on in the article to say that these letters of appreciation meant so much to the people who received them, and it meant so much to him to be able to express that appreciation to others. Jesus talked to a guy one time about being appreciative and serving others, and then he said to him, I want you to go and do likewise. So reach out and tell someone how much you appreciate them. Who is somebody that you have taken for granted in your life that you need to say thanks to? It may not be somebody who made the headlines, but they supported you when you were a real jerk. It may be somebody behind the scenes. It may be somebody who stuck with you. It may be your parents, and, and your parents were not perfect, but you know what? As a parent, you're not anything close to perfect either. Remember that lots of people are starving for appreciation, and if they can't get it at home, they're going to go look for it somewhere. Why don't you, why don't you make a commitment to your spouse? Here would be a good place to start if you're married. Make a commitment to your spouse and say, I'm going to give you one compliment a day for the rest of the year. And of course, that may not be a whole lot of commitments. There's not a whole lot of the year left. But that'd be a good place to start. Most importantly, have you said thanks to God for the salvation that He has provided for you in Christ Jesus? Now, you may be thinking, well, I, I would like to, but the problem is I don't understand it all. I don't ever understand everything in the Bible. You don't have to understand it all. All you have to understand is what the Lord has done for you. And so, in gratitude, you ought to give Him your life and say, Lord, You made me, You, you love me, You offer me salvation, I'm going to accept that salvation and I am going to be baptized. Now here's what it says in the Bible. This is Acts 22:16. It says, "Why wait any longer? Get up, be baptized, wash your sins away, trusting in him to save you." You know the reason why you ought to be baptized? And there's a lot of theological reasons that we could give. The reason you ought to do it is because it's what the Bible says you ought to do. And it's clear, it's plain, it's simple, and it's easy to understand. It's one way that you can express publicly your appreciation for the Lord Jesus Christ and the gift of salvation that He offers all of us. So Will is going to lead us in a few moments in an invitation hymn. If you have a particular need, if we can pray for you, intercede on your behalf, if you need us to assist you in, in being baptized, we want to help you in any way that we can. So if you have a need, please let us know what it is while we stand and sing.